Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Show. My name is Davis Maddock, and I am joined in this episode by Britt Devine. We are in a dynasty league together, so uh, that's one of the topics that we're going to talk about. But I also know that Britt is a big best ball player, and that's what we are going to start the show out talking about. First of all, though, Britt, how you doing, buddy? What's up, man? We've uh, you know been playing grinding the DFS streets for what five years now, and we've you know each taken our turns. You got your thing going on. I've got my own thing going on at Roto Grinders. But uh, yeah, but best ball is great. Dynasty best ball is great. Um, anything you can get your hands on football is great, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is the draft best ball championship. So I've done four thus far, and I'm kind of I'm kind of deciding how much money I want to stick in the big best ball championship because I assume that a mini best ball championship is going to be added at some point. And you know, I, I would rather do uh, 80 teams in the mini best ball championship versus 40 in like the big one. Yeah, I would do that. Uh, I tend to agree with that. Last year, they ran a mini, a medium, and then they ran the high stakes one, which I believe had a little bit of overlay too. But I'm like you. I would much rather have multiple shots at a lower buy-in for a variety of reasons than trying to play with the big dogs on like one or two entries if you can't afford to kind of max out in these things. Uh, But yeah, I mean, 25 bucks, right? To have some fun on a best ball, it's not like the end of the world for people. So let's help them out. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was sort of different strategy in the championship drafts versus just the regular, because you and I have done, uh, you know, a bunch of the regular ones and a few of the draft best ball championships. The, the first thing that I noticed was really those drafts, they are a little bit sharper. Like you're, you're, you're seeing quarterbacks go really late in those. Um, you're seeing the elite tight ends get picked off really early, like Travis Kelsey. I would guess if we had ADP just for the draft basketball championship, I would guess his ADP is like four picks higher than that. Yeah, so uh, well, you said elite tight ends. I think there's just one elite tight end. That's obviously Travis Kelsey. I'm a little bit down on the other two. Uh, but yeah, Kelsey, you know, like a, an eighth and a ninth pick in the overall draft, right? Because then you, you don't have to play the best ball. You're just getting 15, 20 from Travis Kelsey every week. You can throw a dart on your last pick at tight end and you're set and it just lets you hammer kind of everything else. So I understand uh, that strategy quite a bit. But I, I do agree when you jump into the 25, especially the best ball championship, uh, you're, you're going to have to be on your game, one, for a couple of reasons. You have the slow drafts, which are um, – I prefer those over the fast 30-second drafts that the championship is. So you have to be on your toes. You've got to be ready to compete with some reasonably good opponents as well and uh, have some sort of strategy going into the thing as well. Yeah. So one thing that we have highlighted on our show sheet is the value in drafting early. And this is like a key point that we touched on a lot in our ultimate guide to winning draft best ball leagues. But really, the earlier you're able to get your your drafts in, like this time in June, this is prime time to be drafting because yes, you're going to run into some injuries. Jarek McKinnon was one that really hit a bunch of people last year because sharp people like Jarek McKinnon, you know, he doesn't play it down. That really sucks. But the converse of that is a lot of sharp people also were early on the Chiefs before the preseason started and early on James Conner and those sorts of edges can really carry you over the course of the season yeah and we could talk about it too is you know you want to have risk in your your best ball championship lineup. if I'm playing a regular 12 man not in the championship I'm not going to be taking 
pretty much any really major risk. You're, you're fighting 12 people. And, I, you know, I come from DFS where we see these big tournaments every night and you're playing 30 or 40,000 people. And it's really tough to win that. To win, you have to beat 165,888 people in this thing. You've got to take some risks that you probably don't want to because if you just draft everybody at ADP, if you wait till the end of it and ADP is really sharp, you're probably not going to win anyway. So you got you got to kind of try to do something uh, a little bit off the wall, either by stacking, taking some guys that that might have some risk assigned, and hopefully it works out for you. But you got to do something different in these to be 165,000 people. I think the biggest thing in those formats is probably stacking and like double stacking, like I like going quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end. Like if you start Julio Jones, go around earlier on Matt Ryan, go around earlier on Austin Hooper, because those spiked weeks, they're going to be important for the regular season, but the spiked weeks are going to be super important for the elimination rounds because, you know, basically we're assuming the player pool is going to be pretty similar in those elimination rounds, like weeks 13, 14, 15, those teams are going to have a lot of the same players, right? Because that's just the nature of the game. Like the, the best ADP values are going to be, they're all going to be the same. So stacking is sort of how you get a better chance to advance. Yeah. So like, let's say David Johnson gets injured in four weeks and whoever drafted Chase Edmonds in the 18th rounds, all of those people now have the biggest edge probably you can possibly get getting a, a running back, you know, with uh, a share of carry. So someone's going to happen to get into that. So it's how do you make your lineup stand out above some of the other people? Like last year, you mentioned Connor taking them, you know, later in drafts and it really works out. It becomes a top 10 play. You're, you're drawn dead without him. So you got to mix it up with a, a couple players like that and uh, stacking. We can talk about here maybe some of my preferred teams to stack, uh, some of the ways to stack. Um, but you, you don't just stack outright. You kind of got to do a little bit of research beforehand, think about it uh, critically, and I think you, you can get yourself ahead. So what are some of the stacks that you are really focusing on? Well, let's talk about – I want to talk about the Chiefs first here. Right? Okay, yeah, let's do it. So one – uh, you you got you to gotta spend all your capital drafting all the Chiefs you want, right? You want Mahomes, you want Kelsey, you want, you, you know, you want a shot take on Tyreek Hill. His ADP is going to start creeping up pretty high. Uh, I know you like McCole Hardman from our uh, Dynasty League. You want to take him. You want a Damian Williams, right? You're spending all your early draft capital on the Chiefs, and you think you got this juggernaut of a team. And while you could, you look at their schedule uh, and their strength of schedule, it's like one of the toughest in the league. And then what you really want to do with your stacks, at least from my opinion, is take a peek at the weeks 13 through 16. Because the whole reason we're stacking is so that our team is good during the regular season, but then it excels above other teams that are somewhat similar to ours in the weeks that really count, uh, which is going to be the playoffs weeks 13 through 16. So uh, weeks 13 and 14, I think the Chiefs have reasonably good matchups. So, like, let's say you run that far, right, and your chief stack is cruising along. Then you got to go. They play Denver Week 15, the second divisional game. There's a lot of research on those. Uh, tend to be a little bit lower scoring, and Denver probably going to have a pretty good defense this year. So, let's say you get through that with your chief stack. Then you've got to go in Week 16 in the middle of winter uh, in, the, in the championship Go to Chicago against probably one of the best defenses in the league for week 16, and you expect Mahomes, Kelsey, Damian Williams, and all these guys to go nuts in Chicago? I don't know. So you combine all that with all the early draft capital you have to spend on them. And if I'm playing the championship team, uh, I'm definitely not stacking the Chiefs. I think there's too much between what you have to invest in them 
and then that late season schedule really looks tough when the money really starts increasing, where um, basically a, a almost like a complete fade for me. Yeah, I, I think that the the biggest point that you raise is that really to stack the Chiefs this year, it doesn't make a ton of sense because of how much it costs. Like you have to just disregard the math to take Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelsey is really Kelsey and Hardman are like I think in and of themselves they're fine, but it's adding Mahomes into the equation that makes it difficult. I agree with one of the teams you had written down here though, the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I think they make a pretty interesting one. My absolute favorite one though is the Cam Newton, Greg Olson, DJ Moore stack. You can get all three of them uh, basically at big discounts for what I have projected for them. Yeah, their schedule, I looked at that. That looks pretty good uh, in the playoffs. The one I really noted was the Colts. So just just kind of think of late season football. One, the Colts have a pretty good fantasy schedule the entire season. But late season football, right, it's outdoors, it's winter, the scoring's down, you're facing uh, in-division teams, the scoring, you know, it's just, it's not pretty football compared to like indoors, uh, high scoring summer, uh, you know, type of weather football. So here's, here's the Colts schedule. Week 13, they play indoors at home against the Titans. Sure, it's a division game, but whatever. The Titans, I don't know if they're going to be that great this year. That sounds amazing. Then after leaving the outdoors, they got to go on the road. But that's to Tampa in week 14 against probably one of the worst defenses in the league. That's amazing. Oh, they got to go on the road week 15. But that happens to be in the Superdome in New Orleans. And that's the, uh, what do we call that, the course field of daily fantasy football. So that sounds pretty good. And then, you know, you just mentioned the Panthers. Well, the Panthers get to play indoors because they are taking on the Colts in Indianapolis week 16. You get an amazing playoff run. So not even mentioning that, these guys are, you know, the Chiefs, you're spending all your early capital on ADP. You can get Andrew Luck and Marlon Mack, and you could get uh, Paris Campbell and Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron at a much more reasonable price. You can get some combo of Luck with two or maybe three of those guys. It's not going to kill your team to reach on anybody. Then if it works out and you get there, you have the stack, which is set up for four weeks to just elevate you above everybody else. Uh, the Colts are, are probably my favorite target if you're trying to do the stack type of thing. In the championship. Yeah, I think that I think that Luck Doyle is probably one of the best, uh, like most cost efficient stacks because Doyle you can basically get for free. Luck goes pretty late. I think um, – Really, in general, what you should be trying to do in these formats is do the uh, quarterback wide receiver stack with your second quarterback. That way, you're not you don't you're not ending up reaching and paying way too much for a quarterback. Like obviously, that's horrible. So you know something like super late, you can do your boy Josh Allen and Robert Foster or John Brown. You can do Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown. You can do Sam Darnold and uh, basically any Jets wide receiver or tight end that is not Robbie Anderson is basically free. Yeah, uh, I like that strategy. I didn't really look uh, too much into that, but I think that makes sense too. I still think the Colts don't really kill you, right? Because you could get you could get Hilton in the third, and that's just like as normal. You can get like Luck in the fifth or sixth. You could get um, Doyle late, or you can get one of Funchess and Paris Campbell in like the tenth. Like you're not you're not reaching on any of those to make the Colts stack happen. But having the combination of all that, if it's where you're, it's so going to be so hard to win this thing anyway. You're probably not going to. So at least give yourself some form of correlation. Draft early to get. Uh, easier ADP, take some risks on some players we're going to talk about uh, possibly as well in a second. But just do something to make your team different than the other teams that will get there if your team also gets there. 
So right now, there are two players that I think are the, the hardest to understand for, our, for the best ball markets, and they are Tyreek Hill and Daryl Henderson. The latest news on Tyreek Hill is basically that he's not going to be arrested, right? Like the DA has stopped trying to arrest him, so any sort of suspension or cut would come from the team. And then Daryl Henderson, he started out being this amazing value. You know, you could get him in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. Daryl Henderson goes in the 6th round in a lot of these drafts now. And uh, I don't know. I don't really know what to do with Daryl Henderson. So uh, I had more Henderson, and not in the championship, but in the regular best balls. I have a lot of Henderson, but it's not recent Henderson. Uh, right. It's, kind of, it's just the price is kind of getting there. And I don't think he's ever going to surpass Gurley unless we get kind of a, a news flip that something really strange is, you know, even more is going on with Gurley's knee than it is right now. But it's just at the point where all the upside, maybe not all the upsides baked in, like if Gurley is out, uh, they're, have, they're having this thing where they're going to manage his load earlier in the season, right? So maybe Henderson, the first couple of weeks, is an RB one or two, and, and it pays it off for you to have Gurley fresh later in the season having Gurley fresh later in the season does not bode well for your Daryl Henderson shares, in my opinion, in the championship. So uh, I'm really not, I don't think I've drafted Gurley maybe like once in a hundred plus best balls because I got him super late, but I have almost none of him. Uh, I was getting Henderson early. I think you can still take him, right? You want to do be a little risky in these best balls because as soon as any news happens, it's accounted for within an hour, basically, of people drafting. So you have to draft early. So if you are listening to this and you want to play the championship, don't wait a month. Start drafting now because you're just going to get better ADP. And let's say the Tyreek Hill news breaks or Todd Gurley news breaks. You're going to be drawing dead if you try to do this later because there's just there's no ADP to gain from it. And all those guys that got the shares of Henderson or Hill in the 10th, 11th rounds, those guys have such a massive advantage over basically anything that you could do once that news happens that you, you really got to start drafting early like we already talked about. So a topic near and dear to my heart is zero running back. It's like now more than ever, I think it makes just – total sense because the league is shifting towards passing more and more often. There are more pass catching running backs that you can draft later in drafts. Like, you know, this thing five years ago, zero RB was sort of tough because there was five really good satellite backs in the league. Now there are 20. Every team really uses some sort of pass catching running back. You know, even the super uh, run heavy teams have a running back they use in that role. So who are some of the zero RB guys that you are targeting specifically? Uh, my favorite's probably Rashad Penny. Um, you know, Mike Davis out of there had a bunch of targets, a bunch of uh, rushing attempts last year. And uh, I know Russell Wilson just signed a, a great contract, but I don't really think Seattle's going to change their stripes overnight or anything like that. So you got to imagine Penny's going to eat into most, if not, you know, all of that Mike Davis last year, which basically makes him like an RB2. You've got this Chris Carson uh, injury sort of lingering right now, too. Um, Penny looks like a, a pretty good steal, in my opinion. Yeah, I like Penny. I, I like Ido Smith the most, though. I, I am notoriously, uh, you and I are in uh, a dynasty league together where I was just I was just begging someone to take Devonta Freeman with me. So I am I am very big on Ido Smith, and I think that uh, I think he is probably like he is my most owned player in best balls right now. Yeah, I like Ido. Right, Freeman's what a concussion away from being a bologna sandwich or something like that. So if you if Freeman gets 
Uh, and on our sheet here, I, I was talking about Royce Freeman as a good best ball player, or yeah. a, good, uh, a good sleeper, not Devontae Freeman. Uh, but yeah, Freeman, I uh, always had, had a lot of time off. He takes a bad hit. Uh, you know, he's had so many concussions, one of those, and that's his running style too. He's a small dude. And he goes in there and he bangs his head. He does that again the wrong way. I'm not going to fault him for playing like that. I get it, right? You're in the NFL. You're going to do what you're going to do. But that's an easy way for him to be out for several games, if not a season, because he's had so many concussions. And Ito looks like a, a pretty reasonable shot. Ito's going to get work anyway. And he has the ability to, uh, I don't know if he'd be the true workhorse, but to maybe get like 55 to 60% of the, the work if uh, Devontae Freeman was to miss. Uh, I'm on board with Ito. Yeah, I, I really like him. Another thing we have mentioned here in our show sheet is zero wide receiver, which I actually think is pretty viable this year because there are a bunch of really good wide receivers going late. Like there, there are guys who I've projected for, you know, kind of well over 90 targets who you can get in the double digit rounds. Yeah, so the way you just got to kind of think about the NFL, we've kind of seen this passing resurgence or not resurgence, but the teams are smarter they're passing more and there's not there's not wide receiver there's like four or five wide receiver ones anymore and other than that there's more three wide receiver more four four wide receiver more five wide receiver sets than ever before so it gets spread out a lot more and that's also less running the ball so um i think zero wide receiver it makes sense if, if you get saquon or zeke or uh cmc those are probably my favorite you can maybe mix it in with Kamara or maybe a David Johnson, but really like the top three or four picks. Let's say you get one of those top four running backs. You're big, if those guys don't score for you every week, you're, you're going to lose anyway. Right. So play it to your favor and just expect them to score 20 fantasy points every week for you. So you, you basically would take three of your top four picks if you get one of those really good running backs as running backs maybe take another one in the sixth or seventh round and you, you just play bingo with wide receivers the whole way. And it allows you to just get more wide receivers in there. I think most teams have seven to, to nine is kind of like the winning formula. Uh, I would definitely play, you know, four running backs if I was to get Saquon Zeke um, or CMC and probably go nine wide receivers and maybe three quarterbacks or, or three tight ends on or something like that, because you, you're just expecting that stud running back to score every week. If he doesn't, you're going to lose anyway. So use it to your advantage and um, kind of play bingo with the best ball receivers um, down the entire board. And, um, yeah. I think, I think going like full robust running back and taking like four running backs early, yeah. if they're all guys that you like, like if you have a, you know, a solid use case built out for all of them, mm -hmm. I, I don't hate it. I haven't done it yet, but I do think that they're like DD Westbrook, uh, Kenny Stills, like there are guys who I've projected right around wider receiver two quality who are going to have spiked weeks that I think are, are really strong plays and like, you know, I would have no problem having those guys as my second and third wide receivers. Yeah. And like, you're just going to, you're going to have like five of those guys on your team. So you're going to have like five wide receiver twos to threes instead of, you know, uh, a Julio Jones with, you know, then you're, then you're kind of taking a drop off after that, but it's a strategy I would really only do if you get the stud running back. Um, and like I said, you're, you're using the stud running back as your leverage to get more receivers because of that stud running back doesn't score for you every week anyway, you're still going to lose. So why not parlay that into taking more shots at bingo on the wide receiver position? 
So shifting directions here a little bit, you and I are in this super fun dynasty league and we've had Ben Gretsch on from the league as well to talk about the, the draft we did and a little bit about the startup. I decided after that podcast that it was time for me to, to tear things down. I just sort of looked at my team and I had so many old kind of non-contributors that I was just like, you know what, I, I'm ready. I, I want to I do one year of just absolutely nuke tanking. So the, the question I have for you though, is your team is pretty good, uh, but you have some young talent as well. So right now, how are you weighing future picks versus talent that you have right now as a, like, as a contender? It's like, it's tough. Cause right. You're, you're William Shatner with me right now. And as, as the tough negotiator, we're trying to get some deals done. Cause I think my, t- my team's on the upswing and you're, you're, you're trying to rebuild. So I think you made the right decision and it was sort of uh, you know, I, I kind of helped you with the uh, the trade because I gave you your first round pick back uh, to get Travis Kelsey, which is uh, you know a rather big trade in this league because you have to start two tight ends. But it's it's always a uh, I've probably been doing dynasty for I don't know three or four years now, and I've tried the first year I did I'm in it with a bunch of sharks, and I went for win now, and my I got my butt handed to me, and now my team I, I had to completely rebuild it right because it's just you you want to either be trying for first or you want to be trying for last and trying to be a team that's fifth through like ninth in a 12 team league is just, you're just paying everyone else's fees every year. So I don't like that. So I like your decision um, to completely rebuild, but uh, I think this kind of what I, what is what I did in the startup is I, I tanked kind of year one. I went in with this specific strategy to tank, take a whole bunch of young wide receivers that could kind of bloom into year two. I solidified my quarterbacks year one and then so I made a bajillion moves. I, I lost track of how many trades I made over the start, the, the rookie draft and, and kind of after that. But it's just, you know, I have a team full of guys who can win now who are also somewhat young. And so I can withstand taking on maybe, you know, a, another older player or two. It's a really fine line to kind of tone in, in Dynasty, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, it's like figuring out what to do with a contending team is difficult because you will get good offers for your future picks, but sometimes sometimes you don't want to give up your first, even if you are a good team. Because like, so the thing in this league that's really interesting is that uh, there are like four really good teams, two kind of in the middle, and then six teams that have absolutely no chance. Yeah, well, some of the some of the teams that are no chance are by design, and some think they have a chance to win, and there's really no chance to do it. I don't want to name any names out there, but it's uh, yeah, there, there's definitely some contenders. I think there's probably five contenders. I think there's you know you uh, and a couple other teams are purposefully tanking, which I think is the right way to do it. And then those teams in the middle, I kind of feel bad for them because there's you, you know the way I play dynasty now is I I'm either attempting to win or build to win or when I realize I can't win sell everything and just start all over again starting all over again is I I will say this it's it's very liberating it's liberating to be like oh you want Tariq Cohen fine oh you want Julian Edelman fine you can just have them just get these guys get these old guys who aren't going to be good in two years get them off my roster and like it's fine to like it, I guess it feels a little bit better to lose a trade by a little bit when you know that you have the ability to like continue to, to uh, like reconfigure what that asset might mean. Like I, I could round up all of these picks and trade them for a young wide receiver or a young quarterback that I really like. Yeah. You're going to be able to do whatever you want. Um, I think you're in a good spot. You made the right decision. You're just, you're, I actually think you might end up with the one one now because 
Uh, a couple of the other re- real. I mean, rebuild- I don't have. I don't have a quarterback. Yeah, like a couple of the other re- rebuilding teams are. They're gonna. They have enough talent to be good enough to to beat you pretty easily. And then the only problem is, I think there's a one contending team that could just be absolutely horrible. But I still think you you might even finish, um, you know, ahead of that one. Yeah. So. I, I also just want to talk about this league, though. I, I really think that best ball dynasty leagues are a great format because you can, like, especially for guys like us who play a lot of DFS, you just don't have to mess with it during the season. It's not another league to worry about. You don't have to worry about doing trades. You don't have to worry about figuring out your team in the middle of the season. You can just handle it in the offseason when the DFS-like stuff just doesn't come into play. Yeah, so this league we're in, I want to go over the settings because I this is, like, I stole the settings from this league. I tweaked it a little, and then I started another league, and I called it the best league ever because it's it's the best league ever. There's so many ways to make a team with the settings. This uh, was uh, David Kitchen created this for us to play uh, last year, so I sort of took the settings and I kind of made it my own. But it's a uh, it's a super flex, but it's basically positionless. Otherwise, it's start one to seven running backs and start one to seven wide receivers, and then you also have to start two tight ends so what it it does is it makes quarterbacks and tight ends more important especially tight ends tight ends can you can get like the world for a tight end in a trade uh, most of the time but it just makes it makes everything important it makes so many different ways to build a team there's a lot of different strategies if you want to sell you know like you wanted to to sell everything on your team it's so easy to sell because there's so many buyers because you can just make your team however you want to this is like this is if if I had to make like a standard dynasty league of what a dynasty league should be, this is it. There's no in season setting your roster too. So like you said, the time sink's gone. There's no in season waivers. That time sink's gone. It's more just managing the team in the off season and you let the players play. So another thing that I wanted to ask you about was dynasty startup draft strategy. Mm-hmm. Cause I think everyone has a really interesting answer about this. Like everyone who plays dynasty has their own unique thoughts on how to weigh contending immediately versus angling for talent, like young talent and just kind of kicking the can down the road a year or two. And uh, some people try and do both. Some people just gobble up whatever value there is, even if it is, you know, a 32 year old wide receiver or a 40 year old quarterback. So sort of what are your general thoughts about, you know, weighing how to compete in a dynasty league? Yeah. So I, this is my fourth dynasty league. I'm in a startup right now. I'm in the 10th round of it. So my first dynasty, I I tried to win now right away. And I played with some really sharp people uh, and I really didn't know what I was doing. I was getting my feet wet. I got my butt handed to me, and now I'm in a total rebuild. In that one. I played another one, kind of did um, the same thing, but that team, you know, I knew knew what I was doing a little bit more. Uh, when we jumped into this league, I went in with a specific strategy of I want to tank year one because I felt like the league was going to be around for a while, which kind of weighs – if you're playing with a bunch of randos off of Twitter or wherever – and you don't know if the league's going to be around, you probably want to play to win the league in the first Right away. Yeah, definitely. But I, I felt like the group of people we had here, we're going we're gonna to be at this for, even if you stink and your team sucks, I feel like most of the people are probably going to be around for a while. So I wanted, I tanked on purpose. I made some trades with you. I took Hunter Henry after he was out um, just to, to create more value for me in the next year to get more 20 or more 19 picks and some more 20 picks. Uh, on top of it. 
And that worked really well for me because now I think my team's going to be on the, on the upswing for a couple of years. Um, but I think in general, it's if, if you know you're playing with people that want to play, I don't mind pushing the window back a year or two. And if you're, you're playing with randos that you don't know, I would be more inclined to try to win now. But I think in, in, the, in the perfect world, um, kind of in like the startup I'm in now, I went in with no desire to do anything. And I just kind of took my first couple of picks. And, you know, after like the first two or three rounds, you're getting trade offers from people and you're, you're feeling out the league. You can get an idea of is anybody – is anybody going to sell and try to tank year one or is our, is everybody trying to win now? And I think that's probably the best way to go into it. Yeah, You really got to read what's happening during the draft. Like if you can tell that two teams are like, they're taking all the old guys, you know, they have, they're taking the, the ancient tight ends who have one year left. They're gobbling up, you know, drew, they got drew Brees. They have guys with injury concerns who might only have a year left. Then that's time to start thinking about, okay, well maybe if all of those resources are being allocated to two teams, maybe it's better to, to pull back. Yeah, and, and go young. And then the other one, too, if, there, if there's no, you know, we're in the 2020 draft type, right? Everyone wants 2020 picks. But if there's three people who are trying to tank in your whole leagues, you know, three, uh, you know, what, a quarter of your leagues trying to tank and get 2020 picks, well, you don't want to join that ruckus because the supply demand's a little off. So just kind of judge your league. Uh, and I, I think probably the best way if you're with a reasonably, you know, good group of people you think is going to be around for a couple of years, don't really have any strategy. Um, and by like the end of round two, you know, a couple people kind of divulge what they're doing and in trade offers, you'll kind of see what they're offering and you'll be able to get a, a much better feel. And then like I, I had the fourth pick in this and I drafted uh, Christian McCaffrey and then DeAndre Hopkins was there in the ninth pick and I traded up to get him. Yeah. And now I'm in the 10th round and I don't have either of those dudes on my team because I just got, I got so many good offers. Like I got like a Godfather offer for Christian McCaffrey. You can't say no to it. Right. So I took that and then I traded a Hopkins for Juju Smith. And I got like a whole bunch of extra picks in return for that. That, that was like a win for me. If you ask me, that was a win. Um, so I got like, just feel out the league. Don't really have anything see what comes to you. But again, it really depends on if you know the group of people you are going to be around for like three or four years, you can do that. Otherwise, um, you know, most dynasty leagues, I think probably you should lean towards trying to win in the first year or two, just to kind of collect that money and then free roll for a couple of years. Yeah, that, that was the strategy that I took for the, the league that we did. I'm in another league with like Scott Barrett and a lot of industry guys. And in that one, I actually took the path of, I traded away one of my early picks for a 2020 pick because I thought like, you know, I actually think a lot of people were going for it right away in this one. And I wanted to have some ammo to either make my team better in season in the first year or just tank out the first year. So like I have a couple older guys and you know, if, if things go bad, if I'm 0 and 4 like one and five or whatever, I could just start to get rid of any veterans I have and, and roll and, you know, roll things over for a year. Yeah. Be don't, don't wait too long, you know, sell. If you think you're out of it, be the first to sell. If you're going for it, be the first, be to, the buy. first to buy. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you gotta, you make, make uh, some tough decisions uh, based off the rest of your league, look over the landscape. It takes a lot of time, right, to, to yes. cultivate a good dynasty team, which is why I like the best ball dynasty teams because all the time sink is just managing the team. I don't have to 
obsess over which wide receiver four do I want to play this week and getting the wrong one. And then I lose because of that. So the, the best ball versions, um, I, I really like that. And I, I don't think I would ever join another dynasty league unless it's pretty similar to kind of the one me and you are in where it's, you know, best ball and super flex and all the, all this fun. Yeah. Stuff. All the wrinkles really do like add something to the experience. Who wants to play a one quarterback standard PPR dynasty anymore? That's for the birds. Yeah, no, that's just, that's just flipping coins. All right, Britt, thank you so much for joining the show. Tell people where they can find all your stuff. I find most of my stuff on Roto Grinders or, uh, you know, if you're at the uh, local Kentucky Fried Chicken, you can find me eating like a $5 tender box. There we go.